Okay, this is the third part of our podcast, and this is Energy and Power. You're listening to BCJ, Victoria College Chat. It's quite a big topic, this one, but a lot of it is repeats of things that we did lower down the school, so hopefully it's one that's um, relatively well known to you and I don't have to spend too much time on it. Uh, So you're all familiar from Year 8 with the idea that energy is always conserved. It can be converted from one type of energy into another type of energy, but it isn't destroyed. Um, Those types of energy, uh, the ones that are given on the uh, specification, are kinetic, gravitational, chemical, strain, nuclear, internal, electrical, light and sound. Um, The only one there that might be a bit strange to us is internal. Um, The uh, syllabus has a tendency to use internal, where in year 8 would have used the term heat. So it just means the uh, internal energy to something simply because it is warmer than absolute zero. So uh, nothing very difficult in any of that. Where the difficulties do arise is in the fact that we've got two new equations. We have an equation for kinetic energy, which is Ke is equal to a half mv squared. So the kinetic energy is equal to a half multiplied by the mass multiplied by the square of the velocity. And gravitational potential energy, GPE, is given by MGH where that's mass multiplied by the gravitational field strength, which we know is 10, multiplied by the height um, that the object is above the surface or that the object is moving through. Normally when we're talking about GPE, we talk about changes in GPE. So um, H would be the distance that the object has moved through. You'll no doubt remember the idea of doing examples of KE and GPE changing from one to the other when things fall. So we can work out how far something is travelling when it reaches the bottom of a cliff by equating the GPE that it had at the top with the KE it has at the bottom. So we'd say that MGH is equal to a half mv squared and then we'd solve um, that equation for whatever it is we happen to be missing. Um, usually we're missing the velocity so uh, we'll rearrange the equation to make v squared the subject and then having found v squared we'll take the square root and of course we won't forget to put uh, meters per second on the end of it to make sure that we get the unit mark. And I do quite a few examples of that where various uh, object or people fall off cliffs. <laughs> One more equation in this section is of course work done. Now work done is when one form of energy is being converted into another. When one form of energy is being converted into another we'd refer to that as being work done. Now, when we're talking about it from a mechanical sense, uh, rather than electrical work done or something like that, then we can use a formula that says that work done is equal to force applied multiplied by the distance travelled. Now, how does that relate to our GPE-KE option? Well, the work done is turning GPE into KE. Uh, and the work done is the force times the distance travelled. Well, what's the force? Well, of course, the force is the weight. How do we calculate the weight? Well, it's mg. And then what's the distance travelled? Well, the distance travelled is the height, h. So we end up with work done. The energy being converted is mgh, which, of course, is the formula that we used to begin with. So, uh, yes, it holds uh, in this situation. So all sorts of other situations where it holds as well. Cars travel along the road. What work is the engine of the car doing in getting you to travel along the road over a particular distance? Uh, you dragging a weight along a desk with a newton meter 
what work is being done there well you read the force off the newton meter and you measure the distance you've dragged it using a meter ruler and you can obtain the work done how much chemical energy from you has been converted into heat energy in friction on the desk so uh, work done now of course uh, for all of these you're remembering that uh, they all are energies work done is an energy gpe is an energy k is an energy and therefore of course you're remembering to add joules on the end as the unit named after james joule so it has to be a capital j don't forget it must look like a capital goodness knows why some of you insist on writing small j's with dots on the top when it's got to be a capital j so there you go, three formulas in very quick succession. We have GPE is equal to MGH, we have KE is equal to half MV squared, and we have work done is equal to force times distance FD. All of those energies, all of those measured in joules. Yes, you've guessed it, another free play music track. This one's called Down South. and uh, Oh, sorry, Life Down South. And of course it amused me because it's harder to get much further south than Jersey. Anyway, where were we? We were on energy and power. So, we've done the energy formulas, we need to have a look at the power formula. Uh, what is power? Well, power is a measure of how much work done is being done per second. So, power is work done, or energy converted, per second. Where do we come in most often? We Most often we come across it in electricity. So a kettle has a power of 2,000 watts. It is converting 2,000 joules of electrical energy into heat energy every second. So power is energy converted per second. Its unit, as you've already heard me say, is watts, named after James Watt. So it must have a capital W. And uh, when you write it down, it's written W-A-T-T, because of course that was how his name was spelt. So power is work done per second. But we aren't done with equations yet. We've also got efficiency. How efficient is our the conversion of energy at uh, producing the kind of energy we want? And again, from year 8, you're going to remember that nothing can be 100% efficient. If we're converting one form of energy into another, we always get a bit of something that we don't want. We never get 100% transformation of the energy into the form of energy we were after, the useful energy output. And the formula for efficiency, useful energy output divided by the total energy input, and then if it's a percentage, you multiply by 100 to make it a percentage. Could also be done with power, so you could say useful power output divided by the total power input and multiply by 100 to make it a percentage. Doesn't matter which one of the two you use, you use whichever one is appropriate to the question. So that's yet another formula in this bit, so quite a lot of formulas you've got to remember. Power is energy divided by time and is measured in watts. Efficiency, how well is one form of energy converted into the form of energy that we want.
and efficiency is useful energy output divided by total energy input multiplied by 100. You'd have to ask uh, Conor Berger what that jingle meant. I have no idea. It's one he created. Okay, uh, where are we with energy? Well, the last bit on energy is the bit that uh, I find the hardest uh, to go through in this kind of thing, and that's uh, energy resources to generate electricity. So you need to understand that uh, energy can be stored in all sorts of forms. It can be stored as chemical energy and fuel. It could be stored as uh, gravitational potential energy in water behind a dam. Uh, geothermal energy, which uh, uh, comes from nuclear within the uh, centre of the Earth. Uh, nuclear fission, which of course is splitting uranium. And uh, direct uh, heat and light from the sun. Um, or of course the sun uh, doing less direct things like heating up the atmosphere and causing the wind to blow. All of those provide us with energy sources that we can use to generate electricity. And you have to understand that uh, all of those have their own advantages and disadvantages. And you might have to talk about those kinds of things in an exam. Now, I've not seen that many exam questions on this uh, from the uh, IGCSE. Nothing like the number that turn up in the GCSE. But uh, they're still on the syllabus, so it's not uh, impossible that you'll see it turning up. So what are the advantages and the disadvantages? Well, of course, you know about fossil fuels. You know that coal, oil, gas all release carbon dioxide when they're burnt, and that uh, most people believe that carbon dioxide in the atmosphere is causing the Earth to warm, and that that warming may well end up being catastrophic. Therefore, we want to reduce the amount that we rely on coal, oil and gas for our electricity generation, even though they are very nice, convenient ways of, uh, of creating electricity because they're nice, convenient packages of energy, easy to move around. It's easy to move coal around in uh, trucks uh, on a railway track, for example. So it's easy to shift that energy to the power station, uh, and then within the power station it's pretty easy to convert it. It's a nice concentrated source of energy for generating electricity. Similarly, nuclear fission. Uh, uranium is a very concentrated source of energy, so we can get lots of energy out of a pretty small amount of uranium, uh, Once, uh, particularly once we've refined it down to be uranium-235. But... Um, you know that if something goes wrong with a nuclear power station, it tends to be pretty bad. And uh, you guys are all old enough to have paid a little bit of attention when there was all the stuff on the news about uh, the Fukushima uh, nuclear accident in Japan, which is still causing problems out there because the uh, reactors are still uh, adding um, nuclear radiation to, these, uh, to their surroundings. So nuclear, uh, brilliant when it works, but a big problem when it fails. So the alternatives are known as renewables. Um, the renewables, things like wind, solar, those kinds of things. Um, they We don't pay for the source, the energy source. We don't have to buy the gas. Uh, don't have to buy the wind. Um, so they, uh, they have lots going for them. But they don't tend to be um, such a concentrated form of energy. You need to build a lot of uh, windmills in order to get much electricity out of the wind. And so that's their drawback. You have to build lots of these huge great towers that make a humming noise near people's houses in order to obtain much electricity back out of them. 
Um, similarly, solar panels, they don't make any noise when they're running, but you need a hell of a lot of them to get much energy out of them. And of course, the wind doesn't blow all the time, the sun doesn't shine all the time, so you can't rely on them. Far and away, the best of the renewables, most reliable of the renewables, is hydro, where uh, water is stored behind dams. But the uh, trouble with hydro is there's only certain places in the world where you've got the steep-sided valleys with a lot of water flowing through them where you can build your hydroelectric dams. England, being quite flat, hasn't got very many. Jersey's got none at all. Uh, Scotland's got a few more. Wales has got a few more. Um, But uh, really, you have to live in a country with nice big mountains and lots of rainfall in order to be able to take advantage of storing water uh, behind dams and then converting the water's GPE into electricity by letting it out through a turbine. So, uh, but even hydro has its uh, has its drawbacks. You know, you, the land behind gets flooded, and sometimes that land behind is places where people live. Uh, very controversially, um, that happened in China, where uh, a big dam project flooded uh, a huge number of people's homes. So, um, even hydro, which is probably the best of the uh, renewables has its problems um, but hydro incredibly useful because it's so quick to turn on all you got to do is open the valve and the water's flowing through your turbine is spinning and you're done you don't have to wait for the coal to start the water boiling to start the t- turbines turning as you do with a power uh, coal-fired power station so lots of good things going for hydro and of course we've talked about the uh, pump storage stations where you have uh, a pair of reservoirs, a high one and a low one, and uh, when there's a big electricity demand, you allow the water to run from the high reservoir to the low reservoir through a turbine, creating electricity, and then at night, when there's spare electricity to be had that no one would use otherwise, you pump all the water back up to the top. It's only about 60% efficient, but, of course, uh, if no one wants that electricity in the middle of the night, it doesn't matter how efficient the system is, does it? Because that electricity is going to waste otherwise. So uh, pump storage is a way around the fact that uh, sometimes electricity is being generated when we don't want it to be generated. And, uh, of course, if we could build lots of pump storage stations, that would sort out all of the problems with the renewables, because it wouldn't matter that the wind only blows some of the time, because we could use a pump storage station to store the energy when the wind was blowing unfortunately once again you need the right sort of geography to be able to do a build a pump storage station and even a really big one like the one in wales can't run for all that long um, because there's only so much water it can store if you remember we did some of the maths behind that how much water would need to be flowing in order to be able to run a uh, two megawatt power station where mega means a million so two million watt power station how much water would need to be flowing and if you remember it was uh, several of my classrooms full of water uh, every second had to flow in order to be able to generate uh, that kind of power so there you go I've shot through energy very quickly mostly because it's stuff that you've done quite a few times before so I didn't want to spend a lot of time on it but uh, you do need to remember make sure you learn the equations ke half mv squared gpe is equal to mgh efficiency is equal to useful energy out divided by total energy in multiplied by 100 to make it into a percentage Uh, work done is equal to force times distance power is equal to energy divided by time so 
quite a few equations there you need to get learnt. The units, of course, are joules for energy and watts for power. So please make sure you learn the equations and how to use the equations and spend a little bit of time looking through your notes on how all the different power stations have different advantages and disadvantages for producing electricity. And uh, I think that'll do. The next section will be pressure.